0: Go to the book of Revelations, chapter 8, church, family, because this is some more of his goodness. Oh, thank you, Lord. I expect you, Jesus, to keep this anointing upon us. Not because I demand it, but because you're such a loving God. And I thank you for the healings that are taking place. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed Jesus. I want you to be prepared to read chapter 8, chapter 9 in the course of our lesson this morning. I won't read it all now because the fact that there's much here. But I will walk th- through this with you in keeping with the theme of the lessons for the last several weeks. We are now in our course of study. In this series of time that the Holy Spirit revealed to John on the island of Padmas hundreds and hundreds of years ago. When he wrote the book of Revelation, he wrote about the judgments of God upon the earth after the rapture has taken place and the Christians are gone. I started this series of lessons preaching about what to expect if you miss the rapture. I preached on what to do if you miss the rapture. Eight things. There may be more, but eight is what I shared. And then we entered into this tribulation period. And I am preaching this because you have a choice. I have a choice. We don't have to go through hell on earth. You won't want to after it's described to you. But you just because of a spirit of agreement and unity, would you reach your hands in my direction and I will yours. And shall we just Out of our heart, pray for one another. Oh, my Father, I just want to keep the flow. And I don't want to miss it. Come on, pray for me now. And pray for each other. Oh, Holy Spirit, I I want there. I really do, God. I want there to be less of me and more of you. More and more of you. Less of us and more of you. I'm always at this pulpit thinking about time, schedule, calendar. Too long, too short, boring. I'm always thinking about... Am I hitting it? Am I missing it? And I don't want to think about all those kind of things. I just, want to, I just want to be sensitive to what you want me to think about. And all of us. I know all of us have got things to do, Lord. And Father, I just pray today that this would not be wasted time because of our flesh. But I pray, breathe on all of us. Amen, church? Let the words come off of the pages. Lord, better than I can explain it. You explain it. And then may we be ambassadors. Soul winners. And people who... Realize that your word is true and we must respond to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for your prayers and for being seated. Oh, how great is our God. I have a tendency when I preach a series to come to the next sermon and spend too much time in review. Get the CD. And let me tell you for the sake of timeline. Just so we can move on. Let me tell you that nothing remains that keeps Jesus from coming back to catch away every saved person. A term to describe the catching away is rapture. Let me tell you what I've said before but just to get you up to date. You have a calendar... I have a calendar. You have a watch. I have a watch. You have a birthday. I have a birthday. Time. But regardless of what you have or don't have, all of us are on his timeline. All of us. Long before you and I ever were born, he had his timeline moving us into eternity where sin will no longer be present. And the devil absent. I have been sharing with you that since the cross of Calvary. Two thousand and more years ago. We have been in the age of the church. So that you might have an understanding. The first coming of Christ took place. When he was born as a baby. In Bethlehem's manger. Grew into manhood. And for three and a half years. Years of his adult life, the last three and a half, he preached the kingdom of God. He performed signs and wonders and miracles to affirm his deity and convince people that there's not a Messiah coming, I am he. They killed him, they did. They took him outside of the city of Jerusalem at a place called Golgotha. It's a mountainous kind of place to look away from that mountain Some distance, there are holes in that mountain like you would see in a skull. Eyes, cavity for nose and mouth. Thus it was also called the place of the skull. Golgotha. There, they killed him. They killed him. They drove nails in his hands and his feet. Prior to that, they lacerated his back and beat his body so it whips and scourging until it was he was unrecognizable. His visage was marred. And there they hoisted the cross, suspended between heaven and earth, and they watched him as he died. But he didn't stay dead. <laughs> no, no. It's like the black like preacher says, and I like to quote him, it was Friday, but Sunday was coming. <laughs> resurrection day. And he did rise from the dead. And he appeared to his disciples and others for 40 days after his resurrection. And he says to his disciples, I'm going away now, just like I've told you. I'm going to leave you. I'm leaving you so I can go and prepare a place for you. John 14 and 1. And I'm going to be gone. I won't tell you how long I'll be gone. I won't tell you exactly when I'm coming back. You just be ready. Because if I go away, I will come again. Rapture. It's been 2,000 years. He gave them the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit to go spread the gospel with. So for 20 centuries, there's been... Apostles and prophets and pastors and preachers, Christians and believers. They, they, the church has had glorious days in 20 centuries and dark days in 20 centuries. Satan in the last 20 centuries and even recent history tried to wipe out Christianity and the church. But every time Satan attacks the church, it just causes us to spread further and dig in deeper and win more people to God. Persecution just drives us to God. Can I get an amen? Amen. And even though other religions of the world now, even here in America, are enjoying greater liberties in Christianity, Jesus said, spread it, share it, because the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. We are out of time for his to return. The age of the church brings us to the rapture. The rapture means that this morning, before you leave this church you could be leaving to go to heaven in the rapture because we are so close to the coming of the Lord. Read your Bible, read science, read history, okay? But especially read your Bible, all right? The fact of the matter is is that the age of the church is going to end when Jesus comes in the clouds. He won't come to earth, come in the clouds. And the Bible says a trumpet, the trumpet of God is going to sound. It's going to be a loud blast. And all those who are saved are going to be caught up. To be with the Lord. While we've well, while, while been caught up preceding our going up, you already know this, but let me just highlight. The dead who have died waiting for Jesus to come, they're going to go first. We're going to go with them. We, we're going to be in heaven with the Lord for seven years. And down here on earth, the world is going to go in tribulation. Tribulations like we've never seen happen on the earth before. Judgments of God. While we are up in heaven with God, and he is preparing us to come back in seven years in what is known as the second coming of Christ. You see, his return is two-part. First, he's going to come in rapture in the cloud. We're going with him. Then he's coming back seven years after that to meet the armies of the Antichrist, the false prophets, who is the assistant of the Antichrist, and the devil himself. He is going to meet them. Jesus is coming down from the clouds. And all of us are coming with him. The armies of heaven. All of the angels and the saints and every, everybody, Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, come in together with the armies of Jesus to meet the armies of the Antichrist in a place in the Middle East known as Megiddo to fight the battle of Armageddon. And after we fight the battle, we won't have to fight it, Jesus will fight it, we don't have to do anything but just cheer him on. And it won't take very long, just the word of his mouth will take care of it. And then we go into 1,000 years of no devil. I mean, the Bible says he's bound, he's cast in a bottomless pit, and it's sealed up. There is no more devil, no more demons, no more destruction, no more death as far as crime and criminal is concerned. There's no more rape, and no more assault, and no more vice of the devil. Somebody ought to say amen. Amen. But here's here's why I come to this message. You don't want to be here after the rapture. Because God, during that seven years, is going to say to the world, enough is enough. Judgment's here. I have given you, God is going to say to the world, I have given you more than 2,000 years to prepare yourself in this world. I have given you pastors and preachers and Bibles and Bible schools and CDs and tapes and gospel radio programs and TV radio station. I mean TV stations to broadcast the gospel. I have given you Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and revival services. I've given you a church on every street corner in the city of America. I have warned you, you have had videos and CDs and you have heard my gospel and now I am coming to judge those who knew the truth and didn't receive it, who knew what was right but did what was wrong, who thought my book was not true, who mocked my son and blasphemed his name. This is it. Judgment is sure. Tribulation. Somebody says, I thought he was a good loving God. You are absolutely right. Why do you think he gave His only Son. How much more love could He show? Why, why do you think that He allowed His Son to, to, to come to this world and take on all of our sins? Jesus never knew any sin, never knew any guilt, never knew any shame, never knew any lust, never knew any carnality, but Jesus for a moment on the cross took all of our sins and guilt and there hanging almost naked between heaven and earth, He humbled Himself and allowed Himself to When you should have died and I should have died because we are the sinner. Jesus paid the price for my and your life. If you're grateful, say amen. That's love. And love also says, I am no longer going to let you mock Jesus and mock holy things like the Bible and the blood. I am no longer going to let you blaspheme my son and make your music blasphemous against my son and have you live lifestyles that ignore the blood and the cross. Judgment. I'm not happy about that. I'm just telling you, you don't have to be here. Last Sunday I told you about seven seals, judges, judgments. During this tribulation time, There'll be three categories of intense judgments on the earth during seven years. Each of these categories comprises seven judgments. Last week I told you about the seals. Each seal like a scroll rolled up and sealed with a wax seal being opened and opening the judgment coming on the earth. I told you what they were because I'm trying to tell you you don't have to be here. Today I'm going to tell you about the trumpet judgments, which represents seven angels. Each at God's timetable during the seven years will sound the trumpet. Whether the world hears it or not, I don't know. It may just be sound in heaven. But when that trumpet is sound, it reveals another level of judgment on the earth. Now, when you see this and hear these things, kind of judgments, you're going to think to yourself, is somebody hallucinating? Is somebody wrote this down in this book years ago and they were, they were moving into senility and they're losing their mind? No. Scientists will tell you that the judge, and, and, and look at the History Channel. I sent you, I sent you the uh, web connection to that. Scientists, they're not saying this is improbable. For many things that you will see will happen here that John wrote 2,000 years ago. Scientist says it's not if it's going to happen, but when it's going to happen. You don't want to be here. Let, let me show you chapter 8, verse number 6, please. You're going to need to keep your Bibles open because I don't have this on the screen. I have some things, but not all, all the verses. Are you at verse 6 of chapter 8? So seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown into the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Those who remain on on the earth after after all the Christians are gone, and they start following the Antichrist, who first comes on the scene as as very intelligent, and will always be intelligent because he's empowered by the devil, who's not a dumb devil. Those those who who eventually follow him and and he does miraculous signs and supernatural signs because he's empowered by the devil. Millions will follow him because in, in the midst of all these tribulations, he'll feed them and clothe them and give them life's needs. But they have to take his mark. In the midst of all this, the Bible says one third of all the trees and grass are burned up at the first trumpet. Meaning, brothers and sisters, that the earth that you and I live on today is the place of humanity's rebellion. Isn't this where sin began? Can I get a witness? Isn't it in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, where Adam and Eve rebelled against God and sin began? And therefore, earth itself is now being judged. One third of all the trees and grass are burned up. Imagine what happens to the oxygen people breathe when one third of the vegetation is destroyed. Let me show you the second trumpet, please. That would be verse 8. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Follow, if you will. One third of the sea becomes blood, one third of the sea life dies, and one third of the ships are destroyed. What could this be? And is it probable in our way of thinking that something like this could really happen? Yes, this could be a volcanic eruption taking place. This could also be a meteorite striking the earth. This could also be a nuclear explosion. How many already know that we have enough nations in this world with enough nuclear weapons to destroy the world more than than one time over? Can I get an amen here? It's already there. Now, let me, just, let me just share this with you of a probability, okay? It may not happen this way, but it can. This could be the evidence of a volcanic eruption. Now, what you have here is an artist's rendition of an angel blowing a trumpet. This is not really the way it's going to be, where you have this huge angel blowing a trumpet over the earth, and it blows a, tru- a mountain in the sea, okay? It's all symbolic, but you get an idea, because John was only writing what he could understand in his time. But now, now we know what can happen, Okay? You and I know that volcanic eruptions are are seemingly more uh, frequent and more intense. While I speak to you right now. The nation of Indonesia and that part of the world of Southeast Asia is experiencing a volcanic eruption. Last I heard, over 130-something people died. Multiple and thousands of people have had to leave their home because the lava and the ash and the plume of smoke has gone so high and so widespread until homes and villages and buildings are destroyed and people are homeless. We know about volcanoes. We know about Mount St. Helen in Washington, state who lied dormant for many, many years. And then when she exploded, she exploded and the the ash and the plume and the debris of what came out of Mount St. Helen was circling much of the globe and even hindered uh, aviation and flights for a long time. We know that Yellowstone National Park in America is a volcano. I'm not saying to you that it's going to erupt immediately, but I'm not saying to you that it ain't. I am saying to you that we know the probability of volcanoes and what they can do. Let me say to you this. We have this conception in our mind. I know I have until I was better educated. We have this concept that volcanoes only occur in the physical shape of a mountain. No. Volcanoes can be flat. For a long, long time and and dormant, they become mountains when they begin to spew and build up lava. And lava begins to form layers and layers of lava until it gets very high like a mountain. We are told by scientists, and you should check the History Channel and the link I sent to you. We are told by scientists that there are at least eight super volcanoes in the world today. Super volcanoes with the capacity to do what you see here on trumpet number two, to cause one-third of the sea to become blood, one-third of the sea life to die, and one-third of ships to destroy. Listen to me, you know this, you listen to the news. Earlier this year, wasn't it, in the country of Iceland, where a volcano erupted and halted? airplane travel for numbers of days all over Europe because of the ash and because of the debris and other hindrances. When this ash falls, it destroys crop and farmland. If you get a super volcano that with tremendous amount of energy, it can darken the sun for a season or the moon because the atmosphere is so thick with this kind of ash. What happens is crops fail and you go into what might be a impact winter, where for some season of time, you can't grow food, you can't uh, uh, cultivate the ground. And no wonder the probability of this is so near that not just the John recorded, but scientists are saying it's very practical. I'm not here to scare you, but I'm here to tell you that you don't have to be here. Trumpet number three, please. That would be found in verse 10. If you're there, say amen. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the strings of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was bitter. Interesting, isn't it? That this star is named Wormwood after a tree, which is a bitter-tasting tree, as far as the Roots and such, if one would make a tea out of it. I might say this to you. This could be a missile warhead that is loaded with nuclear or biological weaponry that is shot off from some distant land someplace else. One enemy against another. And the fallout of which could produce one third of the Earth River being polluted, one third of the springs being polluted. Very practical. Science tells us that that is possible. Well, think with me about this. We're also told that there are a host of asteroids in our galaxy. Meteorites, meteors thousands of which pose a threat to our earth. You ever seen the movie Armageddon? Bruce Willis? You can go ahead and nod. You're not that holy. I saw it too. Yeah, I, I see it. If, if he could clean up his language and all, he'd be a better actor. But but you've seen, you've seen that movie about how they went to the distant asteroid, whatever. Okay, that's that's Hollywood. <laughs> but asteroids are real. That's not Hollywood. I mean, that they could land on it and do all that stuff and come back home safe. Uh, hear, hear me. We, we are told, science tells us that 65 million years ago, an asteroid six miles wide, an asteroid rock, hit our earth. Scientists tells us that it hit in the area of the Yucatan Peninsula in Central America. And when it did, it produced over 100 million megaton of energy. The hydrogen bomb is equal to one megaton of energy. Science says there is such a large, large crater in that part of the world, vast, that shows us that this world has been hit by an asteroid, not just there but elsewhere. And when it hit, it created destruction on a biblical scale. Tidal waves, tsunamis, millions of megaton of energy. It was hell on earth. Much of the ocean was absorbed because of the intensity of the heat. Much of the earth was scorched. The impact of the asteroid hitting the earth caused a response from the earth that much of the shattering of of that asteroid was projected back into the planets and then back on earth again do you know that we have the capability scientifically to track asteroids like we've never had before i'm not a scientist i'm, I'm just a lay person but i've, I've done some reading do, do you know that we have the capacity science scientist tells us that there's probably at least 20,000 asteroids that pose a threat to the world that are 500 feet large and larger. Science tells us that if an asteroid 100 yards long were to hit the earth, it could destroy a city as large as Tokyo and the millions of people in the city and suburbs. I'm saying to you, you don't have to take my word in the Bible here. But I think you should explore the probability that you don't want to be here. Okay? Because during the tribulation, one in every two people that are left behind is going to die. Okay? And these are some of the ways it's going to happen. Science says there are 20,000 asteroids out there, 500 feet and larger that they're tracking. But they don't know where seven to 14,000 of them are. Uh, I think I'll just leave in the rapture. I don't want them to find one on my head because I ain't going to be here. Just on the lighter side, but the probability. Let let me move you to the next trumpet. still with me? Say amen. Amen. This is the fourth trumpet. We read about the fourth trumpet in verse number 12. I just had a thought about verse number 11, but if I go there, I'll tarry. Verse 12, Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of heaven was darkened. And a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. The sun, the moon, and the stars darkened. One third of the light is darkened. What God is doing here, brothers and sisters, is in essence turning off the light. Even God's creation above the earth is affected. How many? Oh, that when when Adam and Eve sinned, he did just, didn't just plunge humanity into into sin and curses. When Adam and Eve sinned, all of the animal kingdom fell into sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, all of nature was cursed. When Adam and Eve sinned, even the realm of where principalities and powers and demons and the devil live in the atmosphere, even there has been cursed also. And God's going to judge it all. He's going to turn off the light. There's going to be darkness. Now, whether this darkness is from a nuclear fallout or whether this darkness is like the darkness that came on Egypt during the 10 plagues when Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, I don't know. But what I do know is that the weather, the heat and the cold and precipitation is going to be adversely affected by all of this. Now, how is this probably pro- probable? I told you that a volcano can produce a fallout, super volcano. I told you that a nuclear warhead can produce a fallout. I told you that, that this other thought here of an asteroid can produce a fallout. And I'm going to tell you something else you may not know about. I was only informed of this in my recent study, that, that there's this thing known as a gamma ray burst. A gamma ray burst or gamma rays are created by electromagnetic radiation. They are more intense and destructive than any asteroid. Scientists tell us that there are thousands of gamma ray bursts that occur in the galaxy and the universe every day. They may be thousands and thousands and thousands of light years away from Earth. But then there's that probability that we are in the path of one of these gamma ray bursts in the future. Uh, Scientists say that the energy that the Big Bang theory, the Big Bang produced... Second only to the Big Bang in energy is the energy that comes from a gamma ray burst. It's it's sort of, by the way, let me say this to you the Big Bang theory, (laughs) I don't believe it. The world was not created by a Big Bang. All right? So I just want you to, I just tell you, science ain't always got it right. It was created like, okay? And they're coming close, they're getting closer and closer to the Bible because they ain't got no choice. Okay, but 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 let me let me say this to you, Uh, that when when a a gamma ray that that, that explodes out of a black hole in the galaxy shoots in both directions. In 1962, President John F. Kennedy signed a treaty with the then leader of the Soviet Union, Russia, to curb the production of nuclear weapons and the testing of them. 1962. In order to keep Russia honest, the United States built and launched a number of satellites into the global sphere of the earth to monitor Russia. Because nuclear weapons release some degree of gamma rays. While these satellites were in orbit after 1962, they tracked gamma rays in the atmosphere. And all eyes were pointed to Russia thinking that she violated the treaty and were now testing weapons of mass destruction. But it wasn't Russia. Scientists were amazed to find out. We've known about gamma rays for about a hundred years but only in recent maybe decade or so have we really known more about them. Scientists were amazed to find out it wasn't Russia that was producing gamma rays and threatening the nuclear peace but there there were these black holes in the galaxy and these places of source of gamma rays and a gamma ray, a meteorite you could see it coming for miles and miles in the sky perhaps on a clear day and you could feel the heat of it. It'd be like two sunlights shining on you and and you might be able to run. You won't get away but you'll have a few seconds to decide whether I want to die standing or laying down (laughs) why do I have to be so silly it is kind of funny though isn't it Uh, but a gamma ray no warning no warning okay so what I'm saying to you is I'm not professing to be any kind of Great scientists. I'm just telling you, just common sense tells me that John wasn't a crazy man. And God wasn't putting words in books here to occupy a page so he could have a book. God was saying to us... I am God, I'm in control, I've given you time. They that take my word and live my word and believe on my son, I'll snatch you out of here. You don't have to go through hell on earth. Somebody say amen. But you can come back with the Lord and the armies of heaven and rule with him forever. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap that you don't have to be here. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't plan to be here. I know some of them are sleeping, they're thinking, what are you talking about? Anyhow, let's just keep moving. (laughs) The next three trumpet judgments are called the three woes. Look at verse 13, chapter 8. Are you there? Say amen. And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of the heavens saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpets of the three angels who are about to sound. Hey, listen, we've had four angels, each blowing a trumpet. And after each of them blowing, there was a judgment, judgment, judgment. Now we got three more angels, but, the, but the, before they blow their trumpets, the, the, the word from the Lord is, oh my, you thought this was terrible. Wait till you see what's happening. You don't want to be here. And so this is what happens. The fifth trumpet, chapter 9, follow with me. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star falling from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Please, I'm going to pause right there and tell you this. This star that falls from heaven is probably Satan. Why? Because in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, verse 12, the Bible tells us that when Satan was known as Lucifer, before he fell from heaven, he was called Lucifer, and another name was given to him called the star of the morning. This is probably Satan. Look at... To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Look at verse 2. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke rose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came on the earth, and to them were given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. You still with me? And they they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, or any green thing, or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. I'll explain in a moment. And they were not given authority to kill, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. Verse 7. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings were like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months And they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew is Abaddon. But in the Greek, his name is Apollon. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming upon the earth after these things. Now, I need to tell you that a key is given to Satan, to the bottomless pit. Look at me and let me explain When Jesus was crucified, he went into the heart of the earth when they thought that he was dead for three days. He went into the heart of the earth and and released those in captivity. And he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from Satan. But now he's going to give the key back to Satan for a season of time as judgment on the earth. And he's going to let Satan have his full reign for five months at least. The bottomless pit is open, the Bible says, and out of the bottomless pit comes imprisoned fallen angels. Fallen angels are demons and they're now turned loose. The opening of the bottomless pit unleashes a judgment that is unparalleled in its torments. Let me tell you this. Satan has two categories of angels working for him. They're also known as demons. He has a category of angels working for him known as the unchained demons. He has another category of angels who are going to work for him during the tribulation who are known as the chained demons of whom he's going to take the key to the bottomless pit and open it and let them out. I just read to you that the smoke like a great furnace is going to rise up from the pit. That means that the demons who have been imprisoned in this pit for all these centuries are going to come out. I don't know their number. They are going to be so vast in number, so large in their appearance. They're going to come out of that pit where they were chained by the thousands and thousands and perhaps millions until the cloud and the atmosphere and the sky is going to be darkened for a while because of the volume of the demons that will be in the skies. Demon locust, the Bible says, will invade the earth with scorpion-like power to inflict pain on humanity, but they'll not be able to kill. You know what? The sting from these, from this judgment, whether they're literal scorpions or whether they are the results of nuclear fallout on people, the, this pain is going to be five months in length. I've been stung by a wasp, and I thought I was going to die. People will not die. Only those who don't serve Jesus are not going to be stung. Okay? But those who serve in Jesus are hiding someplace because they're going to be dying soon for the cause of Christ. The only way you're going to make it to heaven during tribulation if you remain and get saved is by you dying. The Antichrist is going to kill you. But it's worth dying by the hands of the Antichrist to miss the hell that's coming on. But you see, you don't have to even make that decision. Get saved right now. I'm saying to you, look, the Bible says these scorpion-like creatures, and it may not be a creature. It may again be a fallout of a biological weapon where people suffer from. Anybody here in the preacher? How many know these things? How many know that there are scientists and places in the world and nations that already have housed in test tubes and in vaults and other places biological weapons of terror? I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to make something up here because I'm looking for something to preach. I'm just telling you, you ain't got to be here. The demon's appearance is horrific. Let, let, let me show you something here. I want to explain something that I've not done before in my preaching this. Look look at verse number 7. It says, The shape of the locust was like horses appeared, prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold. Now, now get this. I'm just being a teacher and if you'll be a student... Let's see what, how, what we can discover. This may be symbolic in its meaning. Th- this may be a description here of the power of the Antichrist, who's going to be given power from Satan to unleash his wrath on the world. The wrath of the Antichrist, as well as the wrath of God being revealed. The wrath of the Antichrist against those who would be for Christ. But look at this. What does it mean the crown of something like gold? Perhaps this speaks of authority. This may speak of of the crown and the goal of the authority of the man of sin. Known as the Antichrist. During this time of judgment. Here's another feature please. That you might want to understand what it means. I think we could be close in explaining this. And their faces were like the faces of men. Perhaps this speaks of intelligence. The intelligence of The man in charge, while he sways the world into hell. Then it says in verse number 8, please look at verse number 8. They had hair like women's hair. And what does this mean? It describes that which is alluring or attractive. Attractive. The Antichrist is not going to come up in appearance with horns on his head and chains dragging and looking like something out of hell. That's not alluring and attractive. He's going to do just like the devil does people today. How many know the devil uses symbols that are alluring and attractive? Hair. like The devil uses women and sex to promote a lot of his garbage today. And he won't cease during the tribulation. Somebody help me here. In just about every commercial, just about every kind of ad, we see some kind of woman's figure and shape and form to attract people. Because the devil wants you to think that sin is all about glory, all about appearance, all about feeling good, all about satisfying and gratifying your flesh. He always shows you how enticing it is, but never shows you how deadly it is. That's how the Antichrist is going to be. And, and here's, another, here's another thought in verse number 8. They said here that, that the teeth is like lion's teeth. Perhaps this is a symbol of, of that which is penetrating and cruel and frightening. The judgments of God will be penetrating and cruel and frightening lion's teeth. Then verse 9, it says, it says here that he has a breastplate of iron. You know, the breastplate given as a piece of armor for a soldier is worn over his heart and his chest. Can I get an amen here? And and in this day and time, this breastplate might represent callousness of heart. Because while all this judgment is going on, and folks have a chance to receive Christ, many are going to be hard and hateful about Christ and Christianity. Many are going to In order to get bread, gasoline, housing, clothing, pay their bills, they're going to work for the Antichrist and turn in Christians so they can be killed. Look at verse number 10. It says, The sting in the tails, it speaks of the terrible aftermath and mental torture that follows the awful teaching of the Antichrist. The sting in the tail, meaning whatever whatever device that the Antichrist uses to bring people into submission will be horrific. Whatever God allows to happen will be horrific. And the Bible says in verse 11, please, it says that they have a leader over them. A demon, locusts, have a leader over them, a ruling king, and his name is Apollo. Now, I I tell you all that, to tell you, brothers and sisters, that it's going to be like this. It's going to be like the inmates in the insane asylum are running the show. Go ahead and hear me. Yeah. In a, and the world is going to be like one insane asylum and the inmates are running the world. You don't want to be here and you don't have to be here. Somebody say praise the Lord. Let me move you very quickly, please, to trumpet number seven, six. Pardon me. If you're still with me, say amen. Look at verse number 13, and I'm going to try to hurry. Verse 13, Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. The voice saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who abound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day and the month and the year were released to kill one third of mankind. Pause. It's, an, it's interesting here to me. That the river Euphrates and this part of the world is mentioned as it is. Let me, let me tell you why. It's interesting because w- this part of the world geographically where the river Euphrates is, is said to be the ancient Garden of Eden. From the region of the river Euphrates, it's a place where evil has always come. The first human sin was committed in this great region. The last human war, the water and all wars will take place in this region. The first human murder, Cain killing his brother Abel, took place in the region of the Euphrates River. The first human revolt against God. Not just in the garden, but you remember when people thought they wanted to be like God, they thought to build a tower up to God, build this big high tower and it's known as, as a tower of Babel because God confused their language. That's where it took place. In this region of the world. Do you know that right now while I'm speaking to you that the part of the world that has more chaos and more threat and fear and violence and killing is that part of the world right now. It's known as the Middle East and you have what's going on in the Middle East as a Middle East crisis. Israel, the Palestinian, Iran, Iraq, etc. It's interesting how all of sin begins there and all of it's going to end there. Four demon angels who have been preserve for such a time as this It's going to wreak the falling havoc please look again look verse 16 now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million i heard the number of them and thus i saw the horses in the vision and those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red hyacinth blue and sulfur yellow and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions and out of their mouth came fire smoke and brimstone Verse 18, by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, which came out of their mouth for their power is in their mouth and in their tails for their tails are like serpents having heads with them. They do harm. It's amazing here again that all John can do is write what he sees 20 centuries ago and related to what he understands in his world, but how relevant it is right now. And I'm hurrying. I say this to tell you, brothers and sisters, that when you see this judgment. You need to understand. That one fourth of the world's population has already been destroyed in the judgment of chapter six, verse eight. Now, one-third of the world's population is going to be destroyed. And what you have is one in every two people alive. is killed. And I say that to tell you even further. These symbols that you see here in, in verse number 19, please, if you look there, their powers in their mouth and their tails, and their tails like serpents having heads with, with them, they do harm. These, while he describes them as an as animal or some sort of thing he could relate to, these are now the very probability of of tanks that shoot their weapons and like fire coming out of the mouth of a lion isn't that what have you seen airplanes and fighter missile fighter planes and missiles how they eject fire from the tails nuclear weapons all these very probable and i say to you i tell you this because It's not about if it's going to happen. It's when we're running out of time. One more trumpet. Chapter 11, verse number 14. Look in your Bibles. And I'll pick it up from here next week. You there? Say Amen. Verse 14. The second war is passed. Behold, the third war is coming quickly. Then the seventh angel sounded. And there were loud voices in heaven saying... The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our lords and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. (laughs) In the midst of all this chaos and hell on earth, heaven's going to stop to praise God. Because he is still God. And look at what it says further. And the 24 elders, verse 16, sat down before God on their thrones, fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty. The one who is and the one who was and the one who is to come. Because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. And the time of the dead, that they should be judged. And that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, small and great. And should destroy those who destroy the earth then the temple of god was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple and there were lightnings and noises and thunderings and earthquake and great hail listen to me listen to me (laughs) why all this pastor why all this judgment because we haven't even got to the bowls yet i'll do that next week because god is saying enough is enough God is saying, I am going to judge the world and mankind who have repeatedly and habitually mocked me and blasphemed me and cursed me. But not only me, they have cursed and assaulted and murdered and maimed and raped their own flesh and blood. And it will not escape me, God's saying. Listen to me, listen to me. You ever, you ever wondered when God's going to show up and judge some stuff? Have you ever wondered that? I, I wonder it all the time. You know, you, this week I heard and I saw on the news. Yesterday I saw on the news where a 45-year-old woman and her boyfriend was arrested in Florida for she trying to sell her two-month-owned grandchild for $30,000. You listen to me, somebody. God is going to judge it. Did you hear me? You know, you know what tears my heart more than anything else and probably yours too? It's violence against children and babies and women. It tears my heart. Did anybody hear me? You know, I don't know how this guy, and I'm not trying to judge people before the trial, okay? But this guy who has uh, been waiting seven years for the trial against this girl he abducted, Elizabeth Smart. Anybody hearing me here? He's he's waited seven years. He's been fed. He's been clothed. He's been taken care of seven years while this girl has gone through hell on earth. And somebody's going now to fight his case on the insanity plea. I'm here to tell you I've got a problem, somebody. I've got a problem with man's judgment and man's justice but I don't have any problem about God saying enough is enough you may have escaped your mama you may have escaped the law you may have escaped your wife but God says every sin has judgment with God and no one will escape no one I'm telling you I'm preaching to tell you that you have a choice You can keep on mocking if you want to. Laugh at the Bible. Laugh at church. Laugh at your praying mama. Laugh at your praying grandma. And throw the Bible in some hidden place somewhere. And say forget about that. I'm going to live like I want to and do like I want to. It's my life. But it's not your life. God gave you that life. And one day if you waste it, you are going to be judged. I'm going to tell you something else. You understand, some of us have worked out our own little salvation. We've worked out how many times we think it's okay to go to church, and how many times we think it's okay to give an offering, and how many times we think it's okay to be charitable. we worked out our own little thing about how many times we think it's okay to sin. Y'all got quiet, but I'm still preaching. And we're thinking, somebody said somewhere, if you get saved now, you're okay, you're in heaven, you can live like you want to, you're going to heaven. That's not in that book. Let me tell you who else is going to be judged. It's going to be judged. Preachers are going to be judged. You'll find them after the rapture if you're left behind. You'll find them a dime a dozen. Preachers in America are admitting homosexual lifestyles and they're not resigning from their pulpits. What they're doing is taking the Bible and cutting out pages and sections and saying it's not relevant. And they're not resigning from their pulpits. Preachers in America have committed homosexuality and lesbianism and fornication and sins of all kinds. And dragging crowds of people with them in the name of God. God is going to judge them. Did you hear what I said? They may build mega churches and large churches. But we are not here under some preacher's banner. We are not here under the banner of some government. We are not here under the banner of some denial. Every man and woman will be judged by God. But I'd rather be judged and hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You may not build a big church, you may not have a large crowd, but you preach the word and you live right. Come on in, come on in, come on in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm preaching to you. If I ain't made you mad yet, hanging there. Some of you are making excuses for your sons and daughters who are living like hell. I'm talking about adult sons and daughters. You raised your kids up in church, and now they're doing their own thing, and you don't want to make them feel bad because you might not get to see their grandkids. I want to tell you something, Betty. You're helping somebody go to hell if you don't tell them the truth. I'm a preacher, a little Indian, and I didn't come here. I'm not running for president, senator, or dog catcher. I'm here running for heaven. I'm running to make heaven my home. Somebody ought to praise God. And this may not be popular, but Jesus wasn't popular. I'm not saying I'm Jesus. Paul wasn't popular. Elijah wasn't popular. But thank God they kept people from judgment. And if you want to know the truth, you can receive it. And you can miss hell if you'll receive the Savior. Oh, sure. Yeah. you got an hour extra sleep, so don't be in no hurry to leave. I'm not mad at anybody. You be careful of the talk show host and television show host. For one more sleeping together out of wedlock with your boyfriend and girlfriend, you could bust hell wide open. For one more shacking up with somebody that you intend to marry, since we'll get married anyhow, we might as well live together and pay one rent, you'll bust hell wide open. It ain't, it ain't my plan, and I'm telling you, you have to fight the flesh. But God understands. Yes, He does understand. He understood that His Son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross to keep us out of hell. I'm I'm not mad at anybody. I'm telling you, this is real. Judgments are real. And you have a choice. Help me, Jesus. Bow your hands. Pray, Christians. Everybody ought to pray. You've got somebody that you do not want to go through the tribulation, including yourself. Come on, everybody say, Jesus, do not let this moment slip us by. Please, unless you have a physical emergency, don't leave. It distracts and it takes away the anointing. Please, unless you have an emergency, every head bowed, every eye closed. Pray somebody. Pray somebody out of hell. I'm standing here knowing that I could make people mad and they never come back to this church. But if you never come back and you go home and think about it, and you go to heaven, God bless you. God bless you. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just trying to tell you you're running out of time. Jesus is coming. He could come today. Pastor Allen, I'm not ready. I might, I don't want to dress it up. I don't want to be a phony. I don't want to be a hypocrite pastor. I have done things with people, been places, and said things and living away that I know is right and God doesn't bless And i got to leave that behind, Pastor. i got to leave it behind. Because while I might escape my mother, my father, my husband, my wife, my judge, police officer, coach, or whomever, I will not escape Jesus. And today is a day of salvation. You say, Pastor, I need to be saved. If I can get saved right here in this pew, I want to get saved. Wherever I need to get saved, I want to get saved. Pastor, I need to be saved. I need to give my life to Jesus and assure my salvation. I'm going to go to heaven. Raise your hand if that's you. Raise it up. I'm not going to take long with this because I've already preached long enough for one man. Hold it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you for three of you, four of you. Come on and Jesus. pray somebody. There's five of you here. Just raise your hands. There's a sixth one now. There's a seventh. Keep it up. Nobody looking but me and you. There's seven. There's eight. Somebody keep praying because they'll keep going up. Hold them up a little high. I want. To... There's number nine. Thank you. Thank you for being bold enough to say, I can't, nobody can save me. I ain't going to hell with nobody. I'm going to heaven with somebody and i will be Jesus. Nine, ten. Put them down. Put them down. Put them down. Put them down. Oh, pray, saints. Come on. Let me hear you mumble a prayer. God, I am serious as I'm standing here. In Jesus' name. You didn't raise your hands and God says, I'm going to give you one more time. Ten seconds. I'm going to give you one more time. Ten seconds. Raise your hands if you didn't raise it. Raise it now in Jesus' name. You didn't raise it a moment ago. There's two more of you. You want to raise it in Jesus' name. There's the third one. Thank you. There's a fourth. Somebody say Amen. You may put them down, please. Everybody rise to your feet in Jesus' name. Oh, my, 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 my. Everybody's (laughs) standing. Reach up your hands to the Lord as far as you could stretch. And if you love Him, say, I love you, Jesus. If you love Him, tell Him some other kind of expression. I will love you. That I'm not going to hell. And I pray that my son, my daughter, my wife... My husband, my mama, my daddy, my best friend, I don't want them to go to hell. Come on, raise your hand. God, I thank you for the Bible. Go ahead praise you, Jesus. Praise you that my name is in your book. Go ahead and praise him that your name is in his book. Thank you, Jesus. Put them down for a moment now and your heads are bowed. Everybody in the church, repeat the sinner's prayer after me. So that you encourage those who are saying it for the first time and so that you say it again. Because it's just another way of rededication. Everybody, here we go. On the count of three. One, two, and three. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me another opportunity to get it right. I confess I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. No one else but you, Jesus, can save me. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my life. Wash me clean by your cleansing blood. Lord Jesus, I believe that you alone is the only begotten Son of God. And I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior. And today, I will live for you. And every day beyond Give me a love for the things you love. Give me a dislike for the things you dislike. Thank you, Jesus, for writing my name in heaven's book. And starting today, I will serve you. I am on my way to heaven. And I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now put your hands together in applause. As if you're glad somebody got saved. Come on, let it take you. Let it take Yes!